What actions can incite God to wipe out a nation? Israel had 15 of them. Is America copying Israel's homework? And does the solar eclipse crossing over America next year mean anything spiritually? You'll find out today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a minister and an American, at least for right now. And I'm not saying it that way because I'm leaving America, but because America might be leaving me. America's days might be numbered. This nation seems intent on provoking God's judgment. And if you don't believe me, well, just listen up today. We're in chapter 22 now of Ezekiel, and we're approaching the halfway point of the book, and it's about to get pretty ugly, because at the halfway point, here's some spoilers, God finally destroys Israel. That's going to be in chapter 24, and so we are winding down now, and God is giving, and this is for one of the last times now, he is giving them his reasons that he's going to do this. 15 reasons today. Chapter 22 starts off with 15 indictments of the nation of Israel. 15 specific things that they're doing that has caused God to bring the hammer down. And as I've done a few times in this study, I want to relate it to some of the things going on in America right now. So I kind of have a 15-point message today, and I better get into it pretty quick. Now, if you hear some sounds in the background, my little my four-year-old, he's playing in the, the room next to me, and so it might get a little... <laughs> You might hear him running around in the background sometimes, hopefully not, but I'm not going to even worry about it if it gets on the recording. We're just going to go, it's just, that's the sound of my life today. It's a Sunday afternoon. He's playing in the other room. And so I'm going to, I'm going to mute my phone here and I can't mute the four-year-old. So we'll just see how it goes. All right. I have a 15 point message today, so we're going to get into it. I often say on this podcast, it looks like we're in the end times, but I also want to make this caveat really clear as I say that. I don't know if we're just in the end times for America or if we're in the end times for the whole world. That's a little hard for me to know because I live in America and I can tell as I look around me that America is collapsing, but is the rest of the world falling apart as well? Sometimes it looks like it is, but I don't know. I don't, I don't live in the rest of the world. I only live here. And so, you know, it's either end times for the whole world or at least it's end times for America. That's kind of the way I'm looking at things. I'm, I'm certain we are on our way out as a world superpower. And when it comes to knowing where we are at in Bible prophecy, we're never told to look at America. We're, we're actually told to look at Israel. That's how we know we're, where we are on God's prophetic calendar. So we're going to do that today. We're going to look at Israel. And then toward the end, I want to share some things actually about solar eclipses, <laughs> believe it or not. God's judgment what might be on the horizon for next year. We're going to let God's word speak to us first, though. So we're going to start with Ezekiel 22. You can turn there in your Bible, and let's get started. We're coming back into the ESV this time, Ezekiel 22, starting at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man... 
Will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Then declare to her all her abominations. Ezekiel, uh, this, this man, Ezekiel, he gets a bit of a reputation sometimes for being really doom and gloom, you know, fire and brimstone type of preacher, as they used to say. But one thing you got to recognize about Ezekiel, he's actually really not into this whole prophecy thing. Like he would, he's just the kind of guy who would rather keep to himself. And he's argued with God on this, on this book before, um, argued with God about his calling. And then whenever he does speak, you know, he's just speaking what God tells him to speak. So if you think Ezekiel is a fire and brimstone preacher, maybe we have a fire and brimstone God. Maybe that's something to think about. Not, I'm not saying God is always that way, but sometimes he is. I mean, that's, that's where the fire and brimstone comes from in the first place. So God has to goad Ezekiel into doing another prophecy right here. And, and he says, will you do it, Ezekiel? You know, will you declare this list of abominations that Israel is doing? And Ezekiel is going to, you know, that's why we have the chapter of 22. Ezekiel is going to list 15 indictments, 15 abominations in, in Jerusalem. And these are 15 reasons that God is going to terminate it. And so one thing that makes this chapter unique is that uh, a lot of times in the previous accusations, the previous chapters, God would mention the city's long history of wickedness. God would say, your city, it's been rebellious for decades, for generations. And God's not doing that this time. God's focusing on the sins that are going on right here, right now. It's 591 BC, and God is judging them against the Mosaic law, specifically the law found in the book of Leviticus, especially the laws found in chapter 17 through 19 of Leviticus. Those are sometimes called the holiness code. And that shows us that this thing called the Bible matters. We need to listen to what God said in this book, because God is going to judge us by the things that are written in this book. Okay? So this is, it's kind of like you're, you're put on notice whenever it comes to the Bible. This is what God is going to use and hold it up against our lives. Let's keep going. Verse three, you shall say, thus says the Lord God, a city that sheds blood in her midst so that her time may come and that makes idols to defile herself. You have become guilty by the blood that you have shed and defiled by the idols that you have made, and you have brought your days near. The appointed time of your years has come. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations and a mockery to all the countries. So in those verses right there, indictments number one and two are mentioned right there in verses three and four, and they're mentioned twice. They're mentioned once in each verse. So the first one is God indicts them for the shedding of blood. And I really got to say something on this. This is something I've learned as I've studied the Bible. There are lots of sins that can be present in a nation, and they don't necessarily invite the judgment of God. Okay? Like, like murder, even. Okay? Bloodshed. If you have a community, if you have a thousand people living in a community somewhere, eventually, someday, someone is probably going to end up getting killed. Okay? At some point. It's just a matter of time. It is going to happen. Someone gets killed. Someone gets murdered. And from there, there are certain ways you got to deal with that. Okay, so murder is going to happen in a country. I mean, it happened when there were four people alive on planet Earth, okay? <laughs> it has happened in every nation that has ever existed in history. It happens in every city. It happens in every state. But that is not necessarily what invites God's judgment. When murder happens, there's a way to deal with it. In Israel's situation, you were supposed to convict the murderer. You're supposed to stone them if it was a first-degree murder. If it was a second-degree degree murder, if it was a manslaughter, 
you sent them to Murder City and you put them off over there for a while. So there was a legal process for dealing with these things. And if you followed the process, then the blood guilt will fall on the guilty party. And, you know, it doesn't mean that God's happy about the murder, but he's not going to be mad at the whole nation about that murder because they dealt with it when the time came. Okay, so that, that's the point I want to make about all this. God gets mad at the whole nation when the murder is tolerated, when the murder is not dealt with, when the murder becomes acceptable or gets endorsed or gets tolerated. I mean, that's that's what God, that's what gets God thinking about just having to destroy the whole society. If the whole country is tolerating murder, now God's mad at all of them. Not just the murderer, he's mad at the effect it's having on the society. So this indictment of bloodshed right here on Jerusalem, it's not about the specific crimes that have been committed. It's about behaviors that have become morally acceptable in this society. It was morally acceptable to kill certain kinds of people. Someone gets murdered, everybody kind of just shrugs their shoulders. They're just going to be okay with it. And, uh, you know, you might be saying, does, well, does this ever happen anywhere else? Does it ever happen in America? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's just focus on Israel for right now. Israel had a murder problem, not the least of which was they would sacrifice people to some of these false gods because they had gotten into this pagan worship stuff so much. They often even did this with their own children. And nothing gets under God's skin more than going after the children. When you start going after the kids, God's patience runs out pretty quickly. So that's the idea that I need you to carry through this chapter. Certain sins are bad. Okay, like greed. Greed is bad. Yes, God doesn't like greed. God is not going to destroy a nation just because it has some greedy people in it. Every nation has greedy people in it. <laughs> it's a human issue. It's a human problem. That's not what invites the judgment of God on the nation, okay? The problem is when that sin, like, like say greed, when greed becomes celebrated, endorsed, tolerated, accepted, encouraged. Well, now you have passed into a new realm where you are thumbing your nose at God, where you're in open rebellion to God. You take something he says is a sin, and you decide we're going to just promote that and celebrate it or encourage it or whatever. That's what upsets God. I mean, all sins upset God, but I'm talking about the, the kind of upset that leads him to come after a whole nation, okay? Every sin that God lists in this chapter, it has been around as long as Israel has existed, okay? Ever since the days of Moses, these sins have existed. The issue is that the recent generations have become accepting of these sins, excusing them, proudly celebrating them. That's what brought God's fist down on the nation. I'm going to put up a graphic if you're watching on a video, I made a little spreadsheet to go along with today's lesson. And I can only include that, of course, on the YouTube or the, the Rumble versions of this. I know most of my listeners are on an audio-only platform, and so I'm sorry that I can't show you this, but I just put this up to help people on the, uh, on the video platform. So if you want to go over to cross-references on YouTube or Rumble, I've got a graphic on the screen now that basically lays everything out about where we're going to go today, okay? So the second indictment, um, it, that we covered the first one was the bloodshed. The second one in verses three and four is idolatry. And this has been a major theme all through the book of Ezekiel. We covered it extensively in chapter six, chapter eight, chapter 11, chapter 14. So if you want more information on the idolatry, I'll just let you go check out those lessons if you want to. Verse five, those who are near and those who are far from you will mock you. Your name is defiled. You are full of tumult. Okay, so this is number three today. God's city has been 
defiled. They have defiled God's city. God had attached himself to the Israelites. They were the children of Abraham. And Yahweh was the God of Abraham. He was the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So God's reputation was really tied in with those men's descendants, with the nation of Israel. And when God wanted to wipe out the Israelites back at, you know, that golden calf incident, he's going to, he's ready to just wipe out all of them. And Moses points out, you know, God, if you do that, that would really hurt your reputation. (laughs) And so God actually stayed his hand. It's pretty amazing. He stayed his hand right there. Didn't wipe out the whole nation because God had attached his name to these people. So when they began acting so wickedly, God's reputation was also attacked because of that, because of their behavior. Verse six, behold, the princes of the princes of Israel in you, everyone, according to his power, have been bent on shedding blood. Father and mother are treated with contempt in you. The sojourner suffers extortion in your midst. The fatherless and the widow are wronged in you. And that phrase in you, that is very key to this section, this oracle that we're reading today. That phrase in you is mentioned 11 times. When you see something repeated very often in a passage of scripture, that's really given you the theme. God is saying that these are not sins you can blame on your parents. These are the sins that are going on right now in you. Number four, that was also mentioned in this verse, disrespecting the parents. It's never going to stop being interesting to me that this one will so often make the cut. This is a recurring theme in scripture when you talk about a society in collapse. It's that they don't respect their parents. They don't respect their elders. The cross-reference I think of the most right here is in 2 Timothy 3, and it's talking about the last days, where it says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And it goes on from there, but I'm just, every time I get to that, I'm like, wow, the darkness of the last days, they'll be lovers of money, they'll be proud and abusive, and then it says, disobedient to their parents. That is a sign of the end. So if you have a person, and I'm just talking about an individual person right here who does not respect authority, I look at that person, I say, okay, then your days are numbered. You know, you're not going to last long in this world if you don't respect authority. If you have a whole nation like that, I'd say the same thing. Its days are numbered. Number five, the fifth indictment today, they oppress the foreigners. When you mistreat the immigrant who has come to your nation, when they don't understand your customs, so you mock them or you take advantage of them, when they don't look or act like you, so you mistreat them, you treat them with racism. You know, this is a sinful thing. Number six, wronging the orphans and the widows. That means to take advantage of people who, you know, they haven't been given as much as others. Some people, they have a tougher start in life or they've come to a hard place in life. They need a little bit of extra help. Um, If you're listening, if you grew up with a mom and a dad, if you had an intact family, just remember there's there's many people out there who didn't. And uh, if you're listening, if you grew up with 10 fingers, 10 toes, and legs that work, if you don't have any mental or physical disability, that's excellent. Okay, that's great. Remember, there's many people in this world who didn't even have those privileges, we might say. If um, If you're married, and if you have a spouse who helped you take care of the home and helped you raise a family, That's terrific. Some people don't have that. Their spouse died, or maybe their spouse abandoned them and they have to raise their kids on their own or deal with other things on their own. 
it's just re- remember to have compassion for others, okay? Because some of the privileges that we enjoy, some of the blessings we enjoy are not things that everybody else has. And so what is really upsetting to God is whenever we have something and someone else doesn't have something, and so we take advantage of them in their distress rather than helping them in their distress. Just some stuff to remember right there. Verse 8. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. So there's two things mentioned right there in this verse, two indictments, despising holy things, number seven, and then number eight is profaning the Sabbaths. So back to number seven, despising the holy things means to not treat holy things as holy. In the Hebrew, this word despise is the opposite of revere. Okay, revere means to show reverence for something. To revere something is to treat it with honor and respect. But Israel was disrespecting the things of God. And so this is referring to their religious practice. Okay, Israel, they had the temple. That is where God was supposed to be worshipped. It had the holy vessels. It had the showbread. It had the wine. It had the incense. And when, if you remember that time, David and his men, they visited the tabernacle. They wanted to eat the showbread. The priest is like, oh, no, you can't do that. That's the holy bread. You know, it's God's bread. We can't eat it. Because you had to treat God's things with respect and honor. You had to revere them. I'm not going to get into that whole story right here, but I'm just saying that's not the attitude that Israel had anymore. In Israel right now, I mean, if you remember from the past lessons on this, they had put literal idols to demon gods right in God's temple. They were going into God's temple to worship Tammuz, the sun deity. So bad stuff is going on. Number eight there was profaning the Sabbaths. The Sabbath was the day of rest. You're supposed to do no work from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. You're not supposed to prepare any food. You're supposed to take a day off. That's not even a that's not a recommendation God gave. He didn't say, hey, take a day off, you know, just relax. That was a rule. You had to do it. The book of Ezekiel puts an S on the end of Sabbaths. This implies God's not just upset about their once-a-day rests that they were skipping, but the other divinely ordained holidays. That also came throughout the years. Those were the feast days, the holy days. And Israel had been lazy about respecting those as well. Did Israel do a good job with the Sabbath? Well, obviously not. (laughs) It didn't just apply to once a week. There were Sabbath years. Every seven years, they were supposed to rest the land. Israel never did that. For 490 years, Israel did not rest the land when they were supposed to. A good cross-reference to look at on that issue is Jeremiah chapters 25 and 29, as well as if you look at 2 Chronicles 36, verse 20 and 21, and it says right there, again, this is going to be spoilers for what's coming up in Ezekiel, but it says he took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Until the Lord had enjoyed its, until the land, pardon me there, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So Israel did not let the land rest for 490 years. So God took one seventh of that, 70 years total. And they were, that those were how many years they had been, that they were supposed to have rested the land, but they never did. And so God says, when Babylon steamrolls in here and carries you all away, you're going to be taken away for 70 years, 70 years total. That's going to make up for all those Sabbath years that you missed. 
This is God's way of balancing the books. God has ways to do that. He will balance the books when we get off kilter with him. And then verse, back to Ezekiel 22 here, verse 9, okay? There are men in you who slander to shed blood, and people in you who eat on the mountains. They commit lewdness in your midst. So we have three things listed, three more indictments listed in this one verse. Number nine today is slander. That means when you talk badly about someone, to speak evil against them. The people were so evil in Israel's day, they would slander someone to, to even to, if it caused their death. They would spread rumors about someone. And even if those rumors got them killed, the people didn't even care. That, that's how evil they were. They didn't care about how much they were lying. <laughs> I want to go tell my four-year-old to pipe down here. Just a moment. All right, again, sorry if that was distracting, but that's just my life today. So it just happens that way sometimes. All right, number 10, the 10th indictment, eating on the mountains. This referred to a practice of eating meals on the, at the pagan shrines in some of the high places. And so again, you can go back to chapter six's lesson if you'd like more information on this. This is what Ezekiel is talking about when it says they are eating on the mountains. This was some form of idol worship, some kind of pagan practice. Number 11 lewdness. Here's a good definition of lewdness. Acting like a sick freak in public. And everyone else is just totally fine with it, okay? To, be to behave lewdly means to act perverse, to act disgusting. It's public indecency. That's what lewdness is. And as I've been saying, Israel was perfectly fine with it by this point. They were accepting of this, all right? Being totally fine. It's an indictment of the whole nation's character they're tolerating and promoting lewdness, this public indecency. And, you know, I'm just really glad as I read this, there's nothing analogous about it to modern times. You know, nothing in, in America going on right now of public indecency that's just tolerated, right? <laughs> you know, and I make that little joke there, but this, you know, this stuff is serious, guys. I mean, when God, this is what God judges a nation for. It's not talking about some naked inmate escape from the insane asylum and you got to go catch him, Okay. That's not the lewdness that it's talking about here. It's talking about when society accepts public displays of perversity. That is lewdness. Okay, verses 10 and 11. In you, men uncover their father's nakedness. In you, they violate women who are unclean in their menstrual impurity. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. Another in you violates his sister, his father's daughter. So, let me stop right there. What's this talking about right here? Well, this phrase about uncovering someone's nakedness, that refers to sexual activity. And so actually, I mean, if you have small kids around, you might want to skip ahead a minute or two, just because that the, the, the subject matter on this one right here. Um, most of the lesson today should be I, pretty clean, I think. But just in, <laughs> I'm just going to warn you for the next minute or two. Uncovering the father's nakedness. That means to have sexual relations with your father's wife, okay? So that could be a biological mother, um, which is gross enough. Um, perhaps just a stepmother. It's still gross, but this seemed to be a common problem in ancient societies. It's not so common today, but we do see Paul getting onto the Corinthian church about this in, I think, 1 Corinthians 5. So, um, and it, again, it wasn't just having the presence of it, but the people were tolerating it. They were accepting it. That got them a letter from Paul. So um, that that is a that seemed to be a, a little bit of a problem, more maybe more so in ancient societies, but it mentions several types of 
sexual immorality right there in verses 10 and 11. It gives a little bit of a focus on incest, but all of them are sexual sins. So number 12 today, the the 12th indictment, sexual immorality. And I could have broken these up into smaller points if I wanted, but uh, then I'd have, you know, this is just my list, okay? If you want to make a list, and if it's more than 15 from these verses, that's fine. I'm just kind of summing these up right here. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality that is tolerated and acceptable in society. That's another indictment, another reason that God could destroy a nation. Verse 12. In you, they take bribes to shed blood. You take interest and profit and make gain of your neighbors by extortion. But me you have forgotten, declares the Lord God. So verse 12 gives us three more of these, and they're going to be our last three indictments for today. Um, Number 13, bribes. God has a real problem with people being bought off. Um, And why is that? Well, I mean, we can think of lots of reasons. It's dishonest. Uh, It's an advantage for the rich people because rich people can buy their way out of any problem. And so when you have that, you have a two-tiered justice system where the rich can kind of just get away with whatever they want. But the commoners, they suffer severe penalties for a lot of the same actions. And God hates that. God does not, he does not like that at all. God says, don't select a leader who accepts bribes because it goes against God's word to vote for a politician who accepts bribes. So there you go. You can do what you want with that information. And and this said, taking, taking bribes to shed blood is specifically mentioned. So that's even more problematic. Valuing money over people's lives, taking a bribe, even if it means someone else dies. We see blood coming up a lot in this section of scripture because it's about the bloody city. Number 14 today was extortion. And this refers to taking advantage of somebody financially. You know, they need to borrow $100, so you give it to them. But maybe you ask for a little bit more in return. You know, you say, okay, I'm going to loan you $100 this year, but I want $120 back next year. Did you know that the Bible says that's actually evil? Um, God actually says in the Old Testament, if you loan to somebody, you know, if they actually are in need, don't expect them to pay you back more than what you loan them. And if they can't pay you back, sometimes you just have to eat it. So, you know, you just let them have it. Um, let them keep the money, basically. You got to do that sometimes. And the Bible says God will bless you for that. If somebody asks to buy your shirt for $50 because they don't have a shirt and they desperately need one, Bible says give them your shirt and then let them keep the $50 because they obviously need it more than you do. So, you know, that's a, that's a little bit radical right there. But it's the kind of love that God wants us to have for our neighbors. And Israel was not doing this. They, they, weren't, they were charging exorbitant amounts of interest, taking advantage of the poor. God called this extortion, and it's something God hates. And then the last one today, 15, forgetting God. They actually forgot God. You know, this was, this was last in the list. Uh, they forgot all that God had done for them. They forgot the rules in the Bible. God was not even on their minds. You know, if you ask them, is God real? Well, they would acknowledge he was real. They would acknowledge the Bible. They'd acknowledge their national history. They'd acknowledge what God had done for them. But God wasn't like on their minds. It wasn't something they were thinking about day to day. It reminds me of this verse in Psalm 10.4. In the NIV, it says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. You see, the wicked doesn't think about God. You know, he just does what he wants all day long. He can go to bed at night. At the end of the day, day, he's laying in bed. 
puts his head on his pillow, he might not have thought about God once all day long. The wicked man's prideful. The wicked man thinks about the things that are important to him. He thinks about himself. He thinks about what he wants to do. He doesn't think about God. He doesn't think about godly things. That's the last thing on his mind. And, you know, we got to ask ourselves, do we do that? Do we ever lay our head on the pillow at night? And we haven't really thought about God once all day long. That's, that's, uh, that's showing there's, there's, some too, there's too many other things in this world that are too important to you, if that's what you would say. Craig Rochelle has actually a really terrific book on this. It's called The Christian Atheist. Okay, The Christian Atheist. It's a person who is a, a Christian, or they say they're a Christian, but they don't really have the Christian spiritual fruit in, in, in your life. It's basically someone who just says they're a Christian, but they live as a secular person, you know, might label themselves a Christian, but functionally is not really any different than an atheist most days of the week. And so to, to really get down to brass tacks here, here's how you can tell if you're a Christian atheist. Are, uh, are you the same in public as you are in private? You know, are you, if you, if you have an awareness of God at all times, you're not acting different in private when nobody's looking at you than you are when there are other people around. You're just the same person wherever you go. So we don't want to be a Christian atheist. Indictment number 15 is that the people, God's nation, the people of God's nation had forgotten God. And that's the 15 indictments. Okay, this was Israel's problems. And we're going to run through them again at the in the last part of the lesson as we talk about America. But let's go ahead and finish up our verses for today. Ezekiel 22, verses 13 through 16. It says, Behold, I strike my hand at the dishonest gain that you have made, and at the blood that has been in your midst. Can your courage endure? Or can your hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. I will scatter you among the nations, and disperse you through the countries. And I will consume your uncleanness out of you, and you shall be profaned by your own doing in the sight of the nations, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I want to mention something here, and this has been true all through the book of Ezekiel, but I don't think I've talked about it for a while. The judgments that God is, is going to be bringing on Israel pretty soon, these judgments were prophesied all the way back in Leviticus, back when God gave Israel the law in the first place. Leviticus, it's that boring book of the Bible. It's that one that nobody likes to read, except me, I think. Leviticus has a lot of laws that just don't directly apply anymore. I get why people don't like it, but it's important for, for well, for an ancient Israelite, it was really important to know that book because it says what the crimes are and it says what the punishments should be. And a good cross-reference to check out uh, from Leviticus about this chapter here, look at Leviticus 26 verses 33 through 39, where God says, and I'm just going to read one verse from that, where God says, I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. And this is exactly the sentence that God is declaring that he's going to lay upon them right here in Ezekiel 22. That sentence is going to be carried out in Ezekiel 24. And as I said, this has been true all through Ezekiel because Ezekiel was a priest. And that's what you got to remember. This guy was a priest and a prophet, except he couldn't really be a priest because he was kidnapped. He was taken away from his home. And as the book begins, he's 30 years old. That was the year that should have been the initiation of his priestly service. He had been training all his life to be a priest. And now he's at the age of 30 
This is the year that he's supposed to begin his priesthood, but now he has no temple. Now he has no tabernacle to serve in. So he's thinking, well, all this was a waste. My, my whole life's plan was, it was all for nothing. Now I'm kidnapped. I'm taken away from home. I'm a priest without a temple. I have nothing to do. But then God shows up and has an even greater plan for Ezekiel's life. Ezekiel is going to be a prophet and deliver God's messages to the people. And so all that studying that Ezekiel had done in the book of Leviticus, that was not going to go to waste because Ezekiel was going to apply that in his addresses to the people. And so Ezekiel is kind of like a sequel to the book of Leviticus. And it's, that's especially relevant right here, because as we've gone through 15 indictments of Israel's sins, all these indictments are based on the moral principles that are laid out in the Holiness Code of Leviticus. You know, all those boring laws that nobody likes to read about in Leviticus, <laughs> they're not the ones that God's even bringing up right here in Ezekiel, okay? Yeah, uh, Leviticus has a lot of stuff about sacrifices and skin diseases, dietary restrictions. You know, that a lot of people don't like to read that stuff. Leviticus also has a lot of moral imperatives that do still apply to us today. And when God judges the nation, he's not talking about how they ate the wrong foods or didn't do the right sacrifices at the temple. God was judging them because of these moral things that they did, that they took advantage of the poor and the helpless, because of their sexual immorality, because of their slander, their debauchery, and even because, yes, they disrespected their parents. Following God's sacrificial system was important, but we also see what, God, what God's priorities were here, and we get an idea of what God expects from us. God's word is not a list of suggestions. It's not advice. It's God's law. And he's going to judge us by it. Well, we'll close down in a little bit with a uh, recap and some personal application of this chapter. If you appreciate today's Bible study, one way that you could show me your appreciation is uh, just by saying a prayer. I would just prefer prayers that more people find the podcast. Or if you find, if you know somebody who you think would benefit from it or find it interesting, if you could share it with them, um, or just leave a like or a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on, that helps it to rise in the rankings. But I mean, the, the number one thing I would ask for is just a prayer. I would be more grateful for a prayer than anything else. If you if you found anything beneficial from this lesson today. If you got a question on any of this, leave a comment or shoot me an email, crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be more than happy to take questions or recommendations on subjects that you think I should tackle in the future. Uh, my buddy, Daniel Moore, he has a podcast called Connecting the Gap, and I was featured on a few episodes here pretty recently, and so go check out his podcast, and um, it's recent as I record this. This episode won't air for a few weeks. Go back to, I think it was early June. Uh, late May, early June, I, I I was really honored to be invited to to be a guest on his program. And so go check out his podcast. He's got lots of great Bible studies on all kinds of things. Lots of great uh, interviews on there with people way more interesting than I am. So <laughs> go check that out. And uh, you'll, you'll be blessed if you do that. Next time on this podcast, I want to cut uh, his, his program. I think I said it, but it's called Connecting the Gap. And you can find it pretty much anywhere that you find this one here. Next time on this podcast, we're going to cover the second half of Ezekiel 22. And then in two weeks, I have a prophecy update episode. I'm trying to do those about once a month. 
because um, so much stuff has been happening here lately. I'm trying to just make sure I keep up with what's new in the realm of Bible prophecy. And so I did one a few weeks ago. It was about the three acronyms that every Christian should know. And um, that was a really prophecy focused. If you like that, then you will appreciate the episode I have coming up in a couple weeks where I'm going to expand on some of that information. And there are big things ahead, especially coming up this September. There's some big things coming up. And so I'm going to tell you about it in August. You know, I have a prophecy update on all that. In closing today, I would like to compare this list right here in, uh, in Ezekiel 22. I want to compare it to what's going on in America. And I almost cut this section out because I thought, okay, the lesson's already long enough, <laughs> you know, and I think I've applied Ezekiel's words to America enough times. But the, here's why I didn't cut it out, because I was sitting in church today and I heard the pastor say, he was talking about how people misuse the Bible so often. And I was thinking, this section could very easily be misused. It, uh, you know, you could misrepresent some of the stuff Ezekiel says and try to like force it to talk about modern times or the country. And I don't want to do that. You know, I do want to apply the text to modern times, but I don't want to force it to say things that it didn't say. I don't want to pretend that Ezekiel 22 was actually about America or it just applies perfectly to America. It, you know, it doesn't. So I just thought it, it would be instructive if we just went through these 15 things pretty quickly and looked at them in a responsible way. So I'm not going to try to take all 15 of these indictments and twist every single one of them into showing how it is the same thing in America. They don't all show up in America. Okay. We don't worship idols like Israel used to. We don't have a Sabbath requirement like Israel did. We don't have the requirement to rest the land. So, you know, I could try to stretch all these things into paralleling some of America's sins, but I just feel like that would be irresponsible with the word of God. And so I'm going to, but there's some things that are very direct parallels. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's look at where this shows up in America. And then I also have a few bizarre thoughts on solar eclipses. If that's what you're here for, Go go look in the show notes. I try to put timestamps and let you know when I'm going to be talking about that. And so it'll be in five or 10 minutes, but let's get into it. The first one on the list was bloodshed. And remember what I said at the beginning. It's not the mere presence of bloodshed that invites God's judgment on the nation. Every nation in history on this earth, they have blood being shed at some point. There's a murder going on somewhere. Murders exist to some degree. In every nation, every state, every city on earth, in all of history. The problem is that the murder that's going on was being tolerated and not being dealt with. Okay. Is that happening in America right now? Oh my goodness. <laughs> the big one is abortion. Okay. They, we could come up with probably lots of examples. Not, all of them pale in comparison to how many lives are lost to abortion every single day. Thankfully, abortion's been trending downward for a while, but it is still way, way, way too many. So that's definitely going on in America. The next one was idolatry, worshiping idols of wood and stone. And, you know, we could make a case. We could try to say that goes on in America with idols of the hearts. Ezekiel's talked about idols of the hearts before. That's not what he's talking about right here. That was chapter 14. He's talking right here about worshiping idols of wood or stone. Okay, so to be true to the text, I would not say literal idol worship is something that's a major issue in America right now. I don't think that's one of our problems. Uh, the third thing, defiling God's city that had God's name attached to it. Uh, is there a modern equivalent of that? 
in America, right? Well, I'd say yes, not just in America, but it's when Christians don't act like Christ. Because think about what the first six letters of the word Christian. C-H-R-I-S-T, okay? We have Christ right in our title, right in our label. It says it's Christian, Christ. Little, little Christ is what it means. And so whenever we don't act Christ-like, then we're poorly representing Jesus. Um, my congressman in the House of Representatives for where I live, his name is Eric Burleson, and he has a podcast that I regularly listen to. It's called Fresh Freedom. And he's usually interviewing other congressmen, other congresswomen. In his latest episode, he was interviewing Michael Cloud. That's a new congressman who's representing a district over in Texas. And Representative Cloud, he said something that was so astounding, I had to go back and listen to it again. I listened to this multiple times. I want to share it here, okay? I want to share a clip of this here. This, this congressman, he, and he's a former pastor, former youth pastor, something like that. Now, now he's, he's in the United States House of Representatives, and he's talking about how America exports its immorality all over the world. In the past, we would talk about what a conservative win on a spending bill was, and, and that was kind of like, well, if we bring the levels from here to here, that's a conservative win on, on spending, and we'd all, yeah, we accomplished something. And, and that's true. That's part of it. But we're funding a lot of evil. We're taking taxpayer dollars that's coming through this government, and it's just going out all over the world to fund pure evil. And so just to think from approaching this from a policy standpoint, why don't we let that first comb be, let's go through this and just defund evil. Michael, can uh, you give our viewers a, just a couple examples off the top of when you say we're taking your taxpayer dollars and funding evil around the world? Oh, yeah. Literally, we have funded drag shows in other countries. Yes. Uh, we we fund, I, I remember one of the most eye-opening conversations I had uh, was I'd been a member for about three months and an ambassador sitting in my office comes in, shakes the hand, and, you know, I was like, I just want to thank you for the support your country gives to our country and really appreciate it. And then we got to talk for a little while and he said, let me take off my ambassador hat for a moment. He said, every dollar you send, our, he said, I'm a Christian. We, we have a Christian country. Every dollar you send to our country goes to undermine Christian values and family values in our country. And so right now, wow. really, because of all the strings that are attached to the it? strings that are attached wow. to it. And right. so if you look at what's going on in our state, is this South America? I'm going to, for Right. I yeah. <laughs> I've heard about this that the, because I've the heard Biden from a, policy, a few ambassadors though from from across the world because the Biden know? policy says you can't accept these funds unless you allow Planned Parenthood. The, the allow... strings, yes, exactly, and the strings that are attached to it. So imagine you're another country who's not as prosperous as we are, and you're looking at the choice between okay, I don't want to embrace communism, but I have China who's willing to pay for roads and bridges, or U.S. who historically has been a free country that's promoted freedom, liberty ideals that we want to embrace, but what we have, you know, you got roads and bridges on this side and yeah. uh, let's fly the, the pride flag uh, yeah. over here. Or the drag or, or queen story hour or, or, or the pride or, parades that are or taking Planned place. Parenthood or those kind of things. And so that's, that's the choice we're leaving in a lot of countries these now from a foreign policy perspective. So the shocking part from all that to me, it's how other nations view us. You know, maybe it's not so shocking, but, but here is currently what America is forcing other nations to decide. They're, they're having to ask themselves this question. Should we buddy up with atheistic communism from a country like China? Or should we embrace Christianity in America, where they try to force us to have abortions in our country and gay pride parades and have drag shows in our country? 
and they're trying to they're having to wade this out. That's what they think Christianity is now, or that is maybe they know better, but they say this is what the Christians in America are doing because America is known as a Christian country. And just think, this is how Christianity is being represented to the rest of the world. And it just makes me think, God almost has to judge us just for that alone. You know, now perhaps it makes more sense why God keeps telling Israel that he's going to make their country a reproach and a byword among the nations. Everyone's going to say, whoa, you don't want to end up like Israel did. Look at how they acted. Look at what their God did to them. You know, remember what we read in verse 16 earlier. It said, you shall be profaned by your own doing in the sight of the nations. See, God had to judge Israel because his name was on the country. And if he just let them keep doing what they'd been doing and they got no punishment, nothing happened to them, then that brought reproach on God himself. If America is known as a Christian nation, we better watch out. That label, it brings great blessing. It could also bring great cursing. I need to move along quicker. <laughs> okay. Disrespecting parents. Yeah, that's still an issue today. It'll, it's going to be an issue in the last days. So we talked about that. Oppressing foreigners. Um, I don't know if this one is so much America's problem. I, right now, I think our bigger problem, we give too much leniency to foreigners because we're, if anything, I mean, it's too much. We're letting them flood into our country with basically no accountability, no restrictions. That's probably a discussion for another time. Um, I don't think this is necessarily our problem in America. If you disagree, crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. Wronging orphans and widows. So basically wronging the downtrodden, the helpless in America. Um, you know, many of them are being taken advantage of in America. Uh, human trafficking. That's a, that's a bigger issue than most people realize. Many of the youngest members of our society right now, they're being gender confused. They're having their lives ruined. So this is, uh, this is, you know, I'd say this goes on in America to, to, to some degree. Despising holy things, number seven. Yes, the things associated with Christianity, they are not treated with the reverence and the respect that they once were in America. You know, it used to be if you were a pastor, people, even if they weren't a Christian, or even if they weren't a churchgoer, they still at least respected you for that. Um, that is not the case anymore. Churches are not just revered or seen as something special in modern times, not keeping the Sabbaths. Um, I'm not going to lay that one on America. The Sabbath is not a New Testament command. I know some people try to make it one with going to church on Sunday. I don't, I'm not going to do that. I think that misunderstands what the Old Testament Sabbath was all about whenever people do that. So I don't, I don't put that weight on us. Um, but slander. Out of all of the 15 indictments in Ezekiel 22, this is the one thing on the list that I see as the most prevalent, even within the church itself. Okay, if you and, and in the culture too, if you look at all the fake news out there, slander, people just willing to destroy each other's reputation and having no guilt about that whatsoever, not, no, not feeling that they're going to be held accountable at all for some of the things that they say about other people behind their back. It's a problem in the church. It's a problem in the culture. It's a problem with the fake news. Somebody needs to do a podcast about that. Number 10, eating on the mountains. Okay, not really something that <laughs> happens in America, I would say. The, the, the pagan aspect of it, anyway. Number 11 is lewdness. That's public indecency. In, in public indecency that's celebrated and acceptable, encouraged in the culture. Well, obviously, I mean, you look at... We just got through Pride Month. <laughs> so obviously, if you look at what's happening, people marching around completely nude in the streets. 
People bringing their kids to see it. It's, it's messed up stuff. Number 12, sexual immorality. Don't, again, we just got through Pride Month. I don't even think I need to explain that one. <laughs> 13 and 14 were bribes and extortion, specifically bribes that lead to bloodshed. Um, yeah, look at how much money that Planned Parenthood is putting in these politicians' pockets. Look at what the pharmaceutical companies are, are pouring into our politicians. Look at the elites who get away with crimes for, for doing things that you or I, if we had done those same things, we'd go to jail for the rest of our lives. That is wicked in God's sight. And then number 15, forgetting God. Definitely true. Definitely true here. We have forgotten our entire Christian heritage. Whether it was on purpose, on accident, either way, it's clear we have abandoned our principles that made this country such a great place to begin with. And so maybe America, maybe it's just run its course. <laughs> you know, we talked a few, a few episodes back about how we're at that 250-year mark, and that's kind of about how long empires usually last. So that brings me to one last thing that I'd like to discuss today. And um, as I talk about this, I'm surprised I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere else over the past few years. I've, I've, I've seen this for years. I'm surprised I haven't seen other people discover it or talk about it since then. But I have a kind of a theory, I guess, on these solar eclipses that are going on. We have one next year. It hits in April of next year. We also had one in 2017. And the thing about these solar eclipses, these two particular ones, these are not typical solar eclipses as far as America is concerned. These are, for one thing, they're total eclipses, okay? That means there is going to be a path where the sun is completely darkened and it becomes as dark as night. That's called the path of totality. So these are total eclipses. And what is unique about these two solar eclipses in America is that they go right across our country. If you go look at the history of solar eclipses in America, we rarely receive solar eclipses. And, and when we do get them, they never go across the entire continental United States like these do. If you want to look this up for yourself, go look it up. I've looked it up several times. Go look on Wikipedia. They have a page of solar eclipses that are visible from the United States of America. If you go look at the pictures, just, just look at the total eclipses, okay? The path of totality, it never goes across the United the USA. They might hit one or two states. If you look at the past 100 years, if you look all the way ahead through 2050, that's like as far as I could see forward on there, you don't see any eclipses that cut right across the middle of the USA, except for the ones in 2017 and 2024. The ones in 2017 and 2024, they stand out from all the others, and they are seven years apart, which I find pretty interesting. Now, I have to describe this. If you're not looking at this on the video form, you're not going to see it. The solar eclipse in 2017, it entered the United States in Oregon, and it stretched across the United States all the way to South Carolina. Okay, so it goes right across the entire country. Then, if you look at the next eclipse in 2024, it actually enters the it enters North America through Mexico, but it also cuts right across the whole country of the U.S. and it goes all the way up through the New England states. It comes it comes out in Maine, so it cuts right across the whole country again. And if you lay these eclipses, paths of totality, on top of each other, 
it draws a perfect X right over the United States. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you have to you have to see it for yourself, okay? It makes an X with the middle point of the X. If you look, it's like the middle point where they crisscross. It's right in northern Kentucky, southern Illinois, I think part of Missouri. Um, NationalEclipse.com. They have a map of this. So this is really interesting to me. It's just as if God got out his Sharpie marker and just drew a big old black X right across the United States. And so what does this mean? Okay, <laughs> is God Xing out the United States? Well, guys, I can't read God's mind. I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a prophet, okay? God didn't speak to me on any of this stuff. I'm not even sure that it means anything at all. But I look at what's been going on in America. So let's start with what happened right before these eclipses happened. In 2015, we legalized gay marriage. And then in 2017, God started drawing this X over America. And it will be seven years. That time frame is significant to me as well because of all the sevens as you read the Bible. But seven years until that X is completed. 2017 to 2024. And if you think of all the stuff that's happened in this country in that time, a pandemic, the, that was the big one, right in the middle of it too. The, uh, the race riots, the January 6, 2021 riot, the, the major cities that burned, America's position of influence on the world stage, how much it's diminished considerably over just the past few, several years, how we're losing our national sovereignty, our, our government, it's become extremely authoritarian, more socialistic. The opioid, oh, the opioid addictions are skyrocketing. Our southern border is practically non-existent. Gender confusion. Life expectancy started dropping instead of rising for the for like the first time ever in America. The Star Wars sequel trilogy, especially episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. The highest inflation that we've had in decades. The suicide rates are climbing. Our cities, they look like landfills and war zones. The infrastructure of the country is deteriorating and it's it's not being replaced. And politically, of course, we're more divided than maybe since the Civil War. Our education system isn't teaching kids to read. It's trying to turn them into gay communists. And hey, you can blame Biden. You can blame Trump. I think God is in control. And I think it could not be more clear that we are under God's judgment. And if this X over America, if it means anything, I th think we got at least a year of it left. So I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. But my hope. You know, whether this solar eclipse, whether these X's over America, whether they mean something sy symbolic, whether it's a message from God or not, my hope is that people will recognize God is trying to get our attention. He is trying to get our attention with what has been happening in America over the past several years. And I just hope this nation will repent and turn back to God before he has to do something more drastic to get our attention. In the book of, is it Joel or Amos? You know, it's where God sent the locusts and then God sent a wildfire and he sent these things to wake people up and, and that didn't work. And I just look at all the stuff that's happened in America. I think God's trying to wake this nation up as well. And I just wonder what it's going to take. I hope it doesn't take a big calamity like an earthquake or something to do it. I, I showed this eclipse path to somebody and they pointed out that right there where the X uh, where the X meets, where it crisscrosses there in the middle of the country, that is right where the New Madrid fault line is in America. And so it's just, it's a little interesting. It's a little spooky. Am I saying that I think God is going to send an earthquake? Hey, if that happens, 
I'll be as shocked as anybody, you know, if an earthquake just hits out of nowhere. But if an earthquake hits America right after the sun drew a big X on our biggest fault line, I think we got to conclude God is trying to tell us something. Israel didn't listen. And look what happened to them. I hope America is going to wake up before it's too late. And for that to happen, our country needs people who will stand in the gap. People who will rebuild that bridge between this nation and God. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week when we cover the second half of Ezekiel 22. Hey, thanks for letting me be your Bible teacher today. Thanks for letting me talk about some things that are a little strange, a little bizarre. Might might mean something, might not. But um, I just think we got to be, we got to keep our eyes open. We got to pray and seek God and study his word and think about what it means for us today. Thanks for listening to the Cross References podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you that the Star Wars sequel trilogy is a definite sign of judgment.